You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. And today's topic, we will discuss the ancient worship of the goddess and how the goddess or the divine feminine woman was the original religion worshipped on the planet by the indigenous people of the planet. Now, what gave me the inspiration for this particular podcast today uh, was from one of my nieces. We were having a conversation and she doesn't even realize what she said. Um, She said, you know what? They labeled women as witches and they went from being, we went from being witches to bitches. And I was like, whoa. So the title of this podcast is From Goddesses to Witches to Bitches. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. And uh, this is uh, getting all these notifications, of course. Okay, so the Museum of Ancient and Modern Art. Okay, so goddess, the great goddess. In prehistoric and early historic periods of human development, religions existed in which people revered their supreme creator as female. The great goddess, the divine ancestress. Now, y'all, that's the bomb now. Um, Museum of Westerface. (laughs) Museum of Ancient and Modern Art. Baby, I'm stealing. I'm hijacking. I am using disclosure and I'm giving you your credit. But I'm stealing divine ancestress. Love it. The great goddess, the divine ancestress, was worshipped as far back as Upper Paleolithic, about 25,000 B.C., not 7,000 B.C., as had been previously believed by archaeologists and scholars based on archaeological evidence. The last goddess temples were closed about 500 A.D. Little has been written about the female deities who were worshipped in the most ancient periods of human existence and still today. The material there is has almost has, has been almost totally ignored. Most of the information and artifacts concerning the vast female religion, religion which flourished for thousands of years before the advent of the classical age of Greece, Judaism, Christianity, 
was dug out of the ground after the Second World War. Okay, so those of you in the mud flood slash reset community, hmm, find it awfully interesting that here are these artifacts dug after Second World War. Hmm, but we'll continue so we can stay on track. It is these more recent excavations which have changed our view of our most ancient history. Goddess worship. Archaeological evidence proves that the goddess religion existed and flourished in the Near and Middle East for thousands of years before the arrival of the patriarchal Abraham the first prophet of the male deity, I think in uh, the other language, and Brother Sean's going to get me, I think it's Yah- Yahavihi, but Yahweh. So let me just, let me rewind that. Archaeological evidence proves that the goddess religion existed and flourished in the Near and Middle East for thousands of years before the arrival of the patriarchal Abraham, first prophet of the male deity Yahweh. Okay, and if you are joining us on the Truth Uncompromised show uh, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Uh, via YouTube Live for the series Mama Tara and the Consciousness of Her People, we get into actually who the deity Yahweh is. Okay? Who was the first goddess? Why had a female rather than a male been designated as the supreme deity? How How influential and significant was her worship, and when had it actually begun? Though goddesses have been worshipped in all areas of the world, we will focus on the religion as it evolved in the Near and Middle East, the cradle of Western civilization. Okay, now I have an issue with the Middle East being the crater of Western civilization, because we know that the Americas was actually the oldest, okay? But we'll roll with what they're saying, but I do want to put that disclosure out there. But also, I find it extremely, extremely interesting that even in this Middle Eastern culture, which today is very, very patriarchal, worshipped the goddess thousands of years before the patriarch Abraham. All right, so the development of the religion of the female deity in this area is intertwined with the earliest beginnings of religion so far discovered anywhere on earth. The archaeological evidence The archaeological evidence for the existence of this ancient religion comes in the form of statues, murals, inscriptions, clay tablets, and papyri that recorded events. 
Legends and prayers reveal the form and attitudes of the religion and the nature of the deity. Many ancient legends often refer to ritual dramas. These were enacted at religious ceremonies of sacred festivals coinciding with other ritual activities. Comments were often found in the literature of one country about the religion or divinities of another. Most cultures have myths that explain their origins. However, these are not always the oldest. There are numerous accounts of the antagonistic attitudes of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam toward the sacred artifacts of the religions that preceded them, especially in the case of the goddess worship in Palestine or Canaan, <laughs> the goddess in every form. Accounts of sun goddesses were found in the lands of Canaan, which is Palestine, Antola, Arabia, and Australia, among the Eskimos, the Japanese, and the uh, Kaisis of India. I may be mispronouncing that. Okay. Most astonishing of all was the discovery of numerous accounts of the female creator of all existence. Divinities who were credited with bringing forth not only the first people, but, but the entire earth and heavens above. There were records of such goddesses in, hmm, what? Sumer? Hmm, Babylon? Egypt? Africa, Australia, and China. In India, the goddess Saravati was honored as the inventor of the original alphabet, while in Celtic Ireland, the goddess Bridget. Oh, interesting. So that name Bridget is actually a goddess name. So all the women Bridget, Bridget's, or I think what's it in French, Brigitte or Bridget, you go head on now, girl. That's a goddess name that you're representing. So shout out to your mom. Shout out to your goddess mother. All right. While in Celtic Ireland, the goddess Bridget was esteemed as the patron deity of language. Interesting. Texts reveal that it was the goddess Nidaba in Sumer who was paid honor as, as the one who initially invented clay tablets and the art of writing. Baby, shut the front door. Now you say, now what now? You say, what now? Uh, uh, mm. Huh? You mean all of them clay tablets they done found? So I'm assuming that would also mean cuneiform 
which ties back to the Mesopotamian Sumer folk. So you mean to tell me that a goddess invented that? Hmm. Most significant was the archaeological evidence of the earliest examples of written language so far discovered. These were also located in Sumer, or Sumer at the Temple of Queen of Heaven in Iraq, written there over 5,000 years ago. Child. I'm finna sip some water. Do want to add a little bit of funk in the mix. This is for the family that are following us or going through the journey with us on the Mama Terra and the Consciousness of Her People series as we get into this specific bloodlines on the planet and how the different bloodlines exist. So meaning the original bloodline of the planet, the indigenous people, and then you have, I call them the invader bloodline, which would be that Abraham bloodline, the Abraham slash Yahweh bloodline, okay, which you go back further um, well, forward, you go uh, go forward from Abraham and you get into the Egyptian um, and the, the Sumer and Mesopotamia that is all still the same bloodline, okay? So even within the Mesopotamia bloodline, they had God, goddess worship, Okay? All right. Now, it could be assumed that the indigenous people of that particular area that they're calling a Sumer or Sumer had indigenous people already there before the invading bloodline. So the bloodline of Abraham took over. Okay. So meaning that indigenous culture that was already there that predated the invading bloodline was already worshiping the goddess. And as the invasion was taken over and land assignment and kingdoms were stood up, uh, they put their version of the goddesses in place for rulership on behalf of their kingdoms. Okay? Because even with those invaders, when you get to Yahweh, and I know I said I wasn't going to go into that, I'll make it quick to stay on track. Even the deity Yahweh reported up to women. He had to get permission from women. All right, so let's move on. The development of agriculture 
in agreement with the generally accepted theory that women were responsible for the development of agriculture as an extension of their food gathering activities. There were female deities everywhere who were credited with this gift to civilization. In Mesopotamia, where some of the earliest evidence of agricultural development have been found, the goddess Ninlil was revealed, revered for having provided her people with an understanding of planting and harvesting methods. Okay, so Ninlil, um, that is definitely uh, a name from the Anunnaki uh, folk beings. Okay. Now, it is said in some of those ancient um, texts, and whether or not you want to call them mythologies, that's totally up to you. But what we do know, what uh, everything that's coming out of the Sumerian text, which the Bible is basically a grossly watered down transcript of the Sumerian text. Everything coming out of those texts gives you the specific names, the specific bloodline, the titles, the positions of these particular beings. Okay? So in this case, I know that Ninlil name is Anunnaki. Uh, get it? Ninlil, Enlil. All right. And also in um, Zachariah Stitchens. Now, folks do have problems with Stitchens' work because they said he kind of messed up some of the translation, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'll take that. That's okay. But, uh, and, but, Two points. That's why it's always important to have more than one source when you are doing research. It is always important to have more than one source when doing research. Because in Stitch's work, he brought it to the forefront of the translation of the cuneiform inscriptions um, or Sumerian text. So he kind of made it a little bit mainstream. Okay. Uh, I want to say it was in the Lost Book of Inky. And that's Stitchin's work. And those of you that are really heavily into the Bible, I always say this all the time. Because I want you to do a lot more research than taking that Bible at face value. That is not the oldest work. Okay? You can literally take the Lost Book of Inky and the Bible and you can line it up. And you can find out exactly who is whom, why stuff really happened the way it did by supplementing 
the Lost Book of Enki, you'll find out the names of those actual deities. When in the Bible, it just gives you Lord and God. Okay. You will even find the technology that was used in the particular wars. And I would also recommend that you bring in as you're uh, studying. Um, I should know the other book. It'll come to me. I know those of you that's rocking with me with the series. The Book of Enoch. The Book of Enoch is another good one, okay? Um, the, only, the biggest problem that I have with Stinchin, and I think I know why he did what he did, because he reveres the Anunnaki as the creator of all humanity. And we know that it's not the case. Because there was indigenous folk on the planet, on Mama Terra, Mama Gaia, however you want to name her, Mama Earth, that were already here prior to the Anunnaki coming to earth, okay? So he wrote it in the perspective of them being the heroes, and that is not the case, okay? All right, and that's why when you're also uh, looking at the book of um, Inky, the lost book of Inky, and you're lining it up with the Bible, it is truly describing a specific bloodline, not of the entire planet, a specific bloodline, a separate creation, a younger creation than the original indigenous people of the planet. And even in that creation story that is described in the Lost Book of Inky, in the Bible, it describes a creation by a male deity. And it is not possible. Because the oldest is not the Y, it is the X. All right, so I know I said I wasn't going to get off track, but of course I did, so I apologize up in advance. <laughs> so, in nearly all areas of the world, female deities were extolled as healers, dispensers of curative herbs, roots, plants, and other medical aids, uh, aids casting the priestess who attended the shrines into the physician's of those who worshiped there. The divine ancestress, baby, I love this, ancestress was known as Astarte, the great goddess, the queen of heaven, Enen, Enana, Nan, Nut, Anat, Anahiti. So Anna, all you Annas out there, Baby, goddess, you are your name derives from a goddess. Istar, Isis, Aset. 
Ishara, Ashara, Ashtart, Atarit, Atar, and Hathor. Okay, now some of these goddesses that are named do tie back to the Anunnaki bloodline, right? And let's also keep in mind that some of the goddesses, um, they will keep renaming them different names based on the culture. Okay, so you got to keep that in mind also. Each name de denotes in the various languages and dialects of those who revered her different aspects of the great goddess. The roots of civilization. Why do so many people educated in this century think of classic Greek, classical Greece as the first major culture when written language was in use and great cities built at least 25 centuries before that time. And perhaps most important, why has it continually inferred that the age of the pagan religions, the time of the worship of the female deities, was dark and chaotic, mysterious and evil, without the light of order and reason that supposedly accompanied the later male religions. Now, child, I'm going to have to sip some water on that because I have to reread that. So, why is it continuously inferred that the age of the pagan religions, the time of the worship of the female deities, was dark and chaotic, mysterious and evil, without the light of order and reason that supposedly accompanied the later male religions. It has been archaeologically confirmed that the earliest law, government, medicine, agricultural, architecture, uh, metallurgy, wheeled vehicles, ceramics, textile, and, and written language were initially developed in societies that worshipped the goddess. Now, I do have to say, when we get into law, when we get into government, these are the things that were brought to the planet by the Anunnaki. Okay? So it would make sense to me, because remember, the Anunnaki's leaders, the main leader is Anu, but Anu reported to women. Okay? So that entire system that a new Nim had brought and the goddesses were set up on the particular thrones, they instituted those things, okay? So even down to agricultural, uh, in the Lost Book of Inky, it is said that um, it could have been the Book of Enoch. 
So don't quote me on that. I can't remember if it was uh, the Lost Book of Inky or the Book of Enoch, where it was said that the men were not to dig in the land. So they were not to dig in Mother Earth because it was considered a violation because she is a divine feminine entity. So the work of digging was for the women. Okay. All right. We may find ourselves wondering about the reasons for the lack of available information on societies who for thousands of years worshipped ancient creatures of the universe. No written records. The upper Paleolithic period, though most of its sites have been found in Europe, is the conjectural foundation of the religious of the goddess as it emerged in the later Neolithic age of the Near East. Since it precedes the time of written record, records and does not directly lead into a historical period that might have helped to explain it, the information on the Paleolithic, Paleolithic existence of goddess worship must at this time remain speculative. I say how convenient. Theories on the, or, the origins of the goddess in this period are found on the juxtaposition of mother kinship customs to ancestor worship. Although I like ancestress worship. They are based upon three separate lines of evidence. The first relies on anthropological analogy to explain the initial development of the matrilineal mother kinship societies. Studies of primitive tribes over the last centuries have led to the realization that some isolated primitive people, even in our own century, did not yet possess the conscious understanding of the relationship of sex to conception. The analogy is then drawn that the Paleolithic people might may have been similar, had have been at a similar level of biological awareness. A matrilineal line of descent. Accounts of descent in the family would be kept through the female line. Going from mother to daughter rather than from father to son. As is the custom practice today. Pause. Now, those of you that rock with us on Truth Uncompromised, I have said from time and time and time and time and time again and over 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 again that men are not supposed to be holders of the land. That in the indigenous people's culture, now I'm specifically speaking in the Americas, 
land was passed down through the maternal line. And here it is in the next sentence. In such culture, not only the names, so women pay attention. Men, perk your ears up. Because I do know that my generation, generational X, when us women started getting married, a lot of us did not give up our names. We hyphenated. And we didn't know why we were doing it. And some men got hurt. But it was a spiritual thing. Because that's the way it was always done. That's the way it is supposed to be. So you can trace your ancestry back to mama. So the concept of taking on the male identity and name is something recent, just like the concept of land ownership in the man's name. We can find that in recent history in the Americas with the migration of the European man. Okay? All right. Child, I'm trying to do two things at one, log on to another computer, and then I done lost my place. <laughs> so in such cultures, not only the names, but titles, possessions, and territorial, ter territorial rights are passed along through the female line so that they may be retained within the family clan. So, I know men be hotter than fish grease at me, baby. I know y'all be hot at a sister. I'm so sick of her ass talking about this female stuff. She always going on about it. She always running the men in the ground. Yada, yada, yada. Ran, ran, ran. You feminist. Dot, 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 dot. I know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly why I say what I say and how I say it and when I say it. We are in this position on the planet that we are because of the suppression of the divine feminine. We are in the position that we are as indigenous people of the planet because we broke universal law and we continue to break universal law. 
And when you do not honor and respect the divine feminine, there's huge consequences. So the mere fact, the mere fact that the indigenous people of the planet allowed land ownership, possessions, territories to go in the hands of the men and be passed down from man to man is a violation of the planet. Let's continue. The second line of evidence concerning concerns the beginning of religious beliefs and rituals and their connection with the matrilineal descent. There have been numerous studies of paleolithic cultures, exploration of sites occupied by these people and the apparent rites connected with the disposal of their dead. These suggest that as the earliest concepts of religion developed, they probably took the form of ancestor worship. An analogy can be drawn between the Paleolithic people and the religious concept and rituals observed among many of the abor- the who? The who? The home? Aboriginal tribes studied by anthropologists over the last two centuries. Now, honey, child, let me take a sip of my water. Because as Brother Sean say, ah-rah, whom were the indigenous indigenous slash aboriginal tribes worshiping? Was it Inky Binky them? Was it Anun them? Was it Haru them? Was it Jesus them? Was it Abraham them? No, it was ancestor worship. Religious concepts and rituals observed among many of the aboriginal tribes studied by anthropologists over the last two centuries. The upper Paleolithic Venus figures. The third line of evidence and the most tangible derives from the numerous sculptures of women women found in the Gratavian Adranensian cultures of the Upper Paleolithic Age. Some of these date back as far as 25,000 B.C. 
These small female figurines made of stone and bone and clay and often referred to as Venus figures have been found in areas where small settled communities once lived. They were often discovered lying close to the remains of the sunken walls of what were probably the earliest human-made dwellings on earth. Niches or depressions had been made in the walls to hold the figurines. Oh, so now we know where those niches are. Y'all know how when you had a walls and then um, to um, showcase statues or whatever, they build that little niche or square in the wall. And some of us even have them in our showers now <laughs> to put our um, little knickknacks in, um, soap and all of that jazz. That's interesting. That goes back that far. All right. These statues of women, some seemingly pregnant, have been found throughout the widespread Agravitian, I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce that again, sites in areas as far as what? Spain, France, Germany, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and Russia. These sites and figures appear to span a period of at least 10,000 years. It appears highly probable that the female figurines were idols of a great mother cult practiced by the non-nomadic Origensian, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sure I am, mammoth hunters who inhabited the immense Eurasian territories that extended from southern France to Lake Bakul area in Siberia. Okay, so when I think of nomadic, um, that means traveler, right? So they really don't have no home, no home base because they keep traveling and traveling. So they're saying that these folks did not travel like that. That's what non means. So could these particular great mother worshipers be the indigenous people in this area, in these areas, in the Eurasian territories? The ultimate conquest. The earliest our agricultural agriculture must have grown up around the shrines of the mother goddess, which thus became social and economic centers as well as holy places and were the germs of future cities, right? Millart. But just as the people of early Neolithic cultures may have come down from Europe, as the possible descendants of the Gravitian, y'all know that word, cultures, so later, so later waves of even more northern people descended into the Near East. There has been some conjunction that these were the descendants of the Mesolithic, about 15,000 to 8,000 BC, Maglimosian and Kunda cultures of Northern Europe. Their arrival was not a gradual assimilation into the area as the goddess people seem to have been 
but rather a series. Child, I keep on telling y'all. But rather as a series of aggressive invasions resulting in the conquest area by area of the goddess people. So I was correct. The mother goddess culture were the indigenous people of that those areas and they were invaded. Lines up to everything that we're learning in the Mama Terra series. Katal Hayuk. At the site that is now known as Jericho and Canaan, by 7,000 BC, people were living in plaster brick houses, some with clay ovens, with chimneys, and even sockets for doorposts. Rectangular plaster shrines had already appeared. Hassler, some 60 miles from Eragensian, site of Antela, was inhabited at about 6,000 BC. Here, too, figures of the goddess have been found. And at the excavation at Katal close to the Sicilian plains of Antiloia, near present-day Kanya, Millart discovered no less than 40 shrines dating from 6500 BC. The culture of Katal Hayuk existed for nearly 1,000 years. Millart reveals the statues allowed us to recognize the main deities worshipped by Neo Neolithic people at Katal Huyak. The principal deity was a goddess who is shown in her three aspects as a young woman, a mother giving birth, or as an old woman. Millart suggests that there may have been a majority of women at Katel Huyak, as evidenced by the number of female burials. At Katel Huyak, two red orch was stern on the body. Nearly all of the red orch burials were of women. The religion was primary, uh, primarily associated with the role of women and the initial development of agricultural agriculture, and it seems extremely likely that the cult of the goddess was administered mainly by women. Agricultural development. One of the most significant links between the two periods are the female figure, figurines understood in the Neolithic societies through their emergence into the prehistoric, I'm sorry, into the historic period of written records to represent the goddess. The sculptures of the pa um, Paleolithic cultures and those of the Neolithic periods are remarkable, remarkably similar in material, size, and most astonishing in style. Hawks commented on the relationship between the two periods noting that the Paleolithic female figures are extraordinary like the mother or earth goddess 
of the agricultural people of Eurasia in the Neolithic age and must be directly ancestral to them. Perhaps the most significant is the fact that the Aragensian sites have now been discovered near Antela, about 60 miles from Neolithic goddess worshiping, a community of Hassler and Anatolia, Anatolia, which is Turkey, and at Musadag in northern Syria, once a part of Canaan. Hmm. So we know today Turkey is far from being feminine divine honoring. Matter of fact, that entire Middle East area, meaning Turkey, Syria, all of it, is very patriarch-driven. And so according to them, which this lines up, with what we have been studying also, that the original people in this area were invaded. Okay? These Neolithic communities emerged with the earliest evidence of agricultural development, which is what defines them as Neolithic. They appeared in areas later known as Canaan, with Palestine, which Israel, Lebanon, and Syria, Turkey, and along the northern reaches of the uh, Tigris and um, yeah, Euphrates rivers, Iraq and Syria. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Let me sip my water. Mm -hmm. Don't we still have a bunch of dramatization? As I sip this water. In these areas today. If you go back. <clears throat> to the Sumerian text. You will see. That this is the area. Where the Anunnaki. Set up shop. This is the area where their Bible says everything jumped off. I'll continue. The Indo-European invasion. That I got to take my hat off, baby, to this um, art um, <clears throat> place. They, they laying this out. <laughs> they literally, I pulled two other articles, but I found this one. The best, and I didn't even read through all of it because the first couple points, I'm like, bingo, this is it. The Indo-European invasions. These northern invaders, generally known as the Indo-Europeans, brought their own religion with them. Child, let me sip my water again. Because I done took and told y'all. That's what happened. 
I done took and told y'all. That's what had to happen if the woman XX genetic code is older than the Y is five times larger than the Y then there had to be some type of invasion, a bunch of wars that went on to overthrow the goddess and institute male. The male kingships, the male rulerships, etc. And passing things down through the male lineage. Okay, but we'll continue. But I do want to read this sentence again. I'm fixing to tell you that. These northern invaders, generally known as Indo-Europeans, brought their own religion with them. The worship of a young warrior god and or a supreme father god. Their arrival is archaeologically and historically attested by 2400 BC, but several invaders may have occurred or even earlier. Absolutely, they did. And men, when I say you will never rule again I say what I say and I mean what I said this is why the pattern that emerged after the invasions was an amalgamation sorry y'all of the two theologies the strength of one or the other often noticeably different from city to city. As the invaders gain more territories and continue to grow more powerful over the next 2,000 years, this synthesized religion often just juxtapose the female and male deities not as equals but with the male as the dominant husband or even as her murderer so before we go on notice we're talking thousands of years of fighting thousands and I also want you all to keep in mind, those of you that are following us on the series, Mama Earth and Terra, Mama Earth, Mama Terra and the Consciousness of Her People. When we talk about the ages, and I tell you in between the 2160 year, because that is the time frame between ages. And when I talk about ages, talk about going from the Pisces ages to um, the Aquarian age, which we are now at the beginning of the Aquarian age, 
that's each age represents 2,160 years. And I explained to you all last week that in between an age, there are many ages, okay? So when they're talking about these 2,000 and all of that jazz, 6,000, they're referring to little slithers, or you can call them many ages within an age. So pay attention to that. So you are talking about a lot of war and bloodshed that went on on the planet for control. Because I've often said that the first wars on the planet were man against woman. The first galactic war was woman against woman. Because even in all of the ancient text, it is said that a galactic war took place and it is said that the women in those different galaxies were the rulers. And so that means when that particular galactic war came over to Mama Terra's territory, that was woman on woman. Let's continue. Yet, myths, statues, and documentary evidence reveal the continual presence of the goddess and the survival of the customs and rituals connected to the religion, despite the efforts of the conquerors to destroy or belittle the ancient worship. The clan mother, Russian paleontologist Z.A. Abramova quoted in Alexander Marshak's recent books, book, Roots of Civilization, offers a slightly different interpretation. Writing that in the Paleolithic religion, the image of the woman mother was a complex one. And it included diverse ideas related to the specific, I'm sorry, to the special significance of the woman in early clan society. She was neither a god, and, uh, a god, an idol, nor the mother of a god. She was a clan, she was the clan mother. The, ide the ideology of the hunting tribes in this period of the matriarchal clan was reflected in the female figurines. The connections between the Paleolithic female figurines and the later emergence of the goddess-worshipping societies in the Neolithic periods of the Near and Middle East are not definitive, but are suggested by many authorities. Okay, so it's interesting. They got a hem and hum when it comes to women being labeled as goddesses. They got a 
dispute. Well, it really didn't mean that. Maybe it didn't mean that, you know, uh, um, she's just over the agricultural, this, that, and the third, this, that. But we sure got a hell of a lot of, uh, quote, quote, supposedly and allegedly evidence of Inky Binky Nim, Yahweh, Abraham, Moses, etc., etc. At the Grativian site of Vestonis, Czechoslovakian, where Venus figures were not only formed but hardened in an oven. The carefully arranged grave of a woman was found. She was about 40 years old. She had been supplied with tools covered with mammoth shoulder blade bones and stern with a red orange. In a proto-neolithic site, at Shanadar, on the northern stretches of the Tigris River, another grave was found. This one was dating about 9,000 BC. It was the burial of a slightly younger woman, once again strong, with the red orchery. Written language. Although the earliest examples of written language yet discovered anywhere on earth appeared at the temple of the queen of heaven in Eureka and Sumer just before 3000 BC. Writing at the time seems to have been used primarily child. Child, I just straight up can't. I can't. I just straight, straight, straight can't. Let me drink this water again. You say, what now, art people? You say the writings was found, the earliest writings in Sumer. They was found and they was used primarily for what? Business accounts of the temple. Child. The arrival, the arriving northern groups adopted this manner of writing known as what? Cuneiform. We know that cuneiform is the writing of the Anunnaki. Okay, the language of the Anunnaki, which all languages stem from cuneiform. I think it was what cuneiform, Sanskrit, Hebrew. Uh, Latin, I think Hebrew came before Latin, English. I'm sure you got some little slices in between that. But cuneiform still isn't the original, it isn't the oldest language on the planet. Okay? It's not even the first. Because the first was of the individual indigenous cultures of the planet. The cuneiform represents the universal language. It was spread universally through the conquerors. All right? So let's continue. 
uh, cuneiform, small wedge signs pressed into damp clay and use it for their own records and literature. Professor uh, Cheery comments, it is strange to notice that practically all the existing literature was put down in written form a century or two after 2000 BC. Rather, this suggests that written language was never considered as a medium for myths and legends before that time or that existing tablets were destroyed and rewritten at the time remains an open question. But unfortunately, it means that we must rely on literature that was written after the start of the northern invasions and conquests. Okay? All right, so that proves my point that cuneiform is the language of the invaders. The origins of Western civilization. Yet the survival and revival of the goddess as supreme in certain areas, the customs, the rituals, the prayers, the symbolism of the myths, as well as the evidence of the temple sites and statues, provide us with a great deal of information on the worship of the goddess at the goddess even at that time. And to certain extents, extent they allow us by observing the progression of transitions that took place over the next 2000 years to extrapolate backward to better understand the nature of religion as it may have existed in earlier historic and neolithic times the deification and worship of the female divinity in so many parts of the ancient world were variations on a theme, slightly differing versions of the same basic theological beliefs, those that originated in the earliest periods of human civil civilization. Okay, so just as I said, that a lot of those um, goddesses, deities, uh, you'll see them being renamed different things, but it was the same uh, <clears throat> original goddess. Okay, now I'm not saying that all of them. Specifically, the invaders' goddesses. So when you look at those Egyptian goddesses, the Hathors and all of that, that's of the Anunnaki bloodline. You'll say you'll see where those particular deities sometimes were just renamed. Okay, and you'll see them renamed across different cultures uh, as well. And maybe uh, I'll do a podcast putting together uh, the specific different deities, goddess deities, and uh, showing how they were renamed uh, throughout different cultures, right? Because you also see that as well in the African culture, okay? Right, so specifically... Um, Yemenya is really uh, an African goddess, but she is the goddess of the sea. And you see her prominently displayed on the Starbucks logo. That's Yemenya. Okay. I had someone come in my chat last week and ask me, about the Starbucks goddess. 
and he didn't say goddess, he said logo. And it was as I was tearing into men who disrespect and do not honor women. And I told that person, I know what it is. You do some research and you drop down in the comments what it is. Okay. But Yim and Yah is an example um, of a goddess. It's also She's also note, notated as Oya in African culture as well. Okay. So she translates Yemenya in Africa, Oya in Africa, and then she's notated in Greece as well. Okay. And you will see her notated today as the mermaid. So some call the mermaid as the demon of the seas. Okay, really deep. Now I find it even deeper because uh, now that we're studying uh, kind of the ancient um, Sumerian text, and we know that Inki is also associated with the fish and water, hmm, I find it interesting that Yemenya and Oya is also depicted as the goddess of the sea. So to me, that would mean Yemenya Oya represents the bloodline of the Anunnaki. Just something to think on. So let's continue because we're almost done. It is difficult to grasp the immensity and significance of the extreme reverence paid to the goddess over a period of either 25,000 as the upper Paleolithic evidence suggests or even 7,000 years over miles of land cutting across national boundaries and vast expanse, expanses of sea. Yet it is vital to do just that to fully comprehend the longevity as well as the widespread power and influence this religion once held. The worship. Much the same religion that graves discuss existed even earlier in the areas known today as Iraq, Iran, India, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel slash Palestine, Egypt, Sinai, Libya, Syria, Turkey, Greece, and Italy, as well as the on the large island cultures of Crete, Cyprus, Malta, Sicily, and Sar uh, Sardinia. Now, all of these territories that they just named, very, very male dominant. And just note, those of you that study Sumerian text, those of you that are really into the Bible and the Quran, y'all know, baby, that the drama jumps off where? Iraq, Iran, India, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, Palestine, Egypt, Sinai, Libya, Syria, Turkey, 
Y'all know that's where the, the drama jumps off in those ancient texts. Led by a what? A patriarch society. So if in these areas they were worshiping goddesses prior to male deity worship, that means an invasion had to have taken place. There were instances of much the same worship in the Neolithic periods of Europe. Child, what, huh? Hmm, what, you, huh? He, huh, he, huh? Which began at about 3000 BC. Child, let me sip this water. So, as Brother Sean say, the ancestors, because the men did say that. Uh-rah. <laughs> that still just cracks me up. Uh-rah. So you means to tell me Europe, Neolithic periods, they were worshiping the goddess as well? So uh-rah, that means uh-rah. King James Nim. King James Nim. King James Nim. Like I said, invading bloodline. So meaning you came over to these people, the indigenous people of Europe, messing with them, instituting a patriarch system. Now let's just move on. The Tatra the Danan traced their origins back to a goddess they brought with them to Ireland long before the arrival of who? Of whom? Rome. Huh? So even um, from the indigenous Ireland people, they worship a, a goddess. Before the arrival of whom? Rome. Rome. You mean the same bloodline that King James himself says he ties back to Rome? Child, let me sip my water. So now who's the invaders? You mean the same King James that calls himself Jacob? Who ties back to Abraham Nim? Who ties back to Yahweh? Which ties back to Inky Binky Nim? Which ties back to Anu. Let's finish this on up. The Celts, 
who now comprise a major part of the population of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Britain, were known to the Romans as the Gauls. They are known to have sent priests to a sacred festival for the goddess, Sabella and Pisinus. That's Turkey. I do remember that. In the second century BC. Now, uh, uh the Celts did what now you say now? Oh, okay then. They were sending their home to do what? <laughs> they were sending their priest to the sacred festival for the goddess? In the second century BC, an evidence of the carvings at Karnak and the Gallic shrines of Chartres and Mont Saint Michael in France suggests that these places were once sites of the great goddess. So again, Child, I don't even have to go to them other two articles. Excellent. Excellent job by Museum of Ancient Modern Art. Mama.org. Okay, so just real quick, let me, child, I didn't want child, should have paused. <laughs> just show y'all some of the pictures. Dang, maybe it's in pictures. Hold on a second. Let me pause. I got to find them, y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bear with the sister here. I got to find them. So I won't be making y'all dizzy. Just want to share with you all. And um, as we're going through this, I'm also going to try to put some of the pictures in here as well. But I want to share with you some of these pics. Um, oh, I hate when that happens. When I do some pictures and then I can't find, find where I put them. Yep, here we go. Okay, yep. Here we go. Alright. So let me Put this back on. <laughs> All right. All right, that's the ancient tree. <laughs> okay. So um, this is our set. Okay. Boss. Okay, which in Black Panther, if you pay attention to movie Black Panther, at the very beginning, they show that the Black Panther Society worship the goddess. This is a Babylonian goddess. So brothers, <laughs> you're going to notice a thing with the women, with these Coca-Cola shapes, with these big old hips and big booties. <laughs> Right? So this is a Babylonian goddess. 
5K. Uh, we went over that particular goddess. When you see these particular goddesses, this one is called goddess uh, Gaia. She is, these particular goddesses are the oldest um, artifacts found. Okay. All right. This is Inanna. Sumer, Mesopotamia. Okay. So that's Inky Binky Linky them people. This is another ancient goddess out of Syria. Okay. Look at them thunder thighs and them breasts. This is Ishtar. This is the Babylonian goddess. Okay. So this um, inky binky linky them <laughs> peeps. Okay. This is just uh, one of the oldest goddess statues found. And every time you see a goddess statue, with her breast hanging. Now, women, men, if you don't know this, you should know this. Depending on what age you are, you should know this. Women breasts don't sag until they start having them babies. Okay? Right? Especially when you breastfeeding. Rug rats swinging off of them. Men harassing them. <laughs> but nonetheless, doggone it. When you see the sagging breast and the bigger tummy that's representing the goddess who has given birth. Women, we women, we already know that. Okay, so men, if you didn't know that, now you should know. Okay, but this is one of the oldest goddess statues and she's always represented in dark melanin color all right okay so this is my girl she <laughs> represented in um greek mythology uh medusa i just threw her up in here just because it took a few folks, a few men to take her down and they used her what? As a weapon. Now, now that's in Greek mythology. This is another old mother goddess. Okay, two of them. Okay, and I'm not for sure, but it looks like she may have been holding a baby. Look at her all up in the back. With that big bum bum. Her thick thighs. Here's another. Original mother goddess. Chilling. In her chair. I think that's it. 
Okay, and this is Oya that we talked about that I told you um, is a renamed goddess from Yemenya. Okay, and I think in Oya they're rep representing her as a goddess warrior. I'm just giving you the um, her or origins. You'll see Oya show up with Yemenya. Okay, now, child, I had to throw this up in here, child. Let me sip my water. <laughs> child, this is a reptilian goddess. Okay, so it is an artifact. Somebody took it, ooh, making me scratch, but nonetheless... Somebody didn't just uh, put her on together, and you can see here she's breastfeeding. Okay, so rep, so meaning representing different races on the planet. And when we say races, we're talking from you want to call human, because some say even human is a, a race also, separate from the original people of the planet or the indigenous people of the planet, but nonetheless, truly alien, and I think that's it. Okay, and just another representation of another goddess. Oh, this is Yemenya. Yep, my bad. My bad, I apologize. Yes, this is Yemenya. So this is the star uh, Starbucks logo, which is an African goddess. Okay. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there with Yemen, y'all. Okay? So, I hope that you all got a lot out of this particular podcast. I didn't intend for it to be this long, but I guess it needed to be. What you are witnessing, family, if this information is resonating with you, or even if it doesn't resonate with you, even if you don't agree with anything that is said within this particular podcast, you are witnessing the return of the ancient divine feminine energy across the planet. Okay. So in order to survive, in order to thrive, you must return the divine feminine in her rightful place. And if you choose to resist and continue to support the patriarch, get prepared for destruction. So uh, I want to thank you all, family, for uh, being patient with me. This is the podcast from Goddess 
to witches, to bitches. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. I wish everyone well on this Wednesday. Peace and love, family. What? <laughs>